This is the What Matters Most podcast. A 100% listener-supported program. And now, here is your host, Paul Samuel Dolman. Welcome back to What Matters Most, my beautiful listening audience all over the world, leaders, People making a huge impact in a variety of ways, teaching kids to read in Nepal, orphanage in Kenya, politicians, spiritual leaders, climate scientists. Wow, what a group. And keep the emails coming, the guest suggestions. Thank you to everyone who participates. Today's guest is returning. I loved his first appearance, and so did you. We got a lot of downloads on that one and a lot of sharing. He is the founder of Human Act, which there's a link on the page. You can go right to it participate coming to us from Europe in Denmark, Mr. Dejafar say You were just uh, tweeting and I was following it. And I wondered what your thoughts were on Davos and that annual collection where the richest and the elite and the powerful come together and basically have conversations. What are your thoughts on both the festival, if you call it that, or the forum and also what and where they are right now? Do you know, Paul, my honest about Davos is this is a big bullshit because there's a lot of talking and talking and promising, but the action is near zero, you know? It just came in, all these rich people with that private jets, and, uh, and the only thing they're not talking about, actually, is the big elephant in the room, and that is the fucking, well, how are they going to finance our problems and the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals? And that money is not just hundreds, millions or billions. It requires something about three to four trillion dollars per year. Otherwise, we will destroy our planet and everything in it. And that is one thing they don't talk about. And we call it the big elephant in the room. And is it kind of a stall tactic, almost like if you went to a cocktail party on the Titanic and everyone just had caviar and champagne and talked about what we might do to stop the leak or sinking or that we're unsinkable even though we're sinking? I would say they're not even talking about their sinking. They don't see that they're they're sitting in a boat that is sinking, you know. It's more about they're sitting in this beautiful place in Davos, you know, let's say a big, big house. And the Fucking house is burning and they don't see it, you know, and they don't talk about where do they go to take some water and, you know, just turn off the flames. So that's bad. That I, was, I see it, actually. Also, Greta was there a couple of years ago, never invited back. And also uh, Rucker Bregman, who, who's been on the show and Anand from Winners Take All. They go there and they speak truth, but it's like pouring water on granite. It just seems to roll right off and nothing changes. Totally right. And he's also one of our good friends. And uh, he's a historian man. And uh, I speak really clear about, about how Davos is. And he just kicked asses two years ago. Oh, no, it was last year, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right, man. So, no, I love that guy. I know you're not a psychiatrist, psychologist, or sociologist, but you are wise and world and in deep in world wisdom. What is it about the human species in your mind uh, and the leadership that won't deal with the houses on fire? Can you imagine if you and I were driving by a neighbor's house, giant house, it was on fire. They won't call the fire department. They won't even leave the fire. 
we'd say this is like a cult. It's insane. But as a metaphor, that's kind of the collective because the evidence is just so overwhelming. What is about our species that and our collective and our civilization, our leadership that just refuses to deal with what is so evident and which is so threatening? It's odd for a species to look away from its own possible extinction. To start with the first poll, I'm not specially wise, you know, or anything else. I'm just one of those fucking bad guys that was lucky to earn a lot of money through, uh, yeah, a lot of companies and building companies and properties. And through that poll, I saw the other guys, the top 1% of the world that everybody's talking about. And I just one day wake up about, yeah, it's more than 10 years ago and say, what the fuck I am doing, you know? 100 million is not enough, 200 is not enough, win is enough, you know. I was lucky, I was not lucky or what. I don't know, I just got something in my head that no, this is the wrong path. You have to give back to society. You just have to do what you can, even not for the rest of society, at least for yourself and children and for your grandchildren, you know. And then I just tried and say, okay, I have to see if I can wake up some of my friends in the same class uh, that has so much money and see what we can do. And through that work, actually, uh, Paul, and with the UN, uh, I've talked also with Gutierrez, with uh, Jeffrey Sachs, who's working there for many years, uh, the economics with written so much books. And I have also met the billionaires, uh, few of them, but still, but they are all blind. I don't know why, I don't know they they're clever enough but they can't see the destruction of what they are doing. And it's like, they think power is money. Uh, and uh, they live in the, their, their own bubbles, you know. They fly in their own planes, go to the same places, talk to the same guys. They don't see what really is happening in the world. So uh, that is one of the questions. But the bottom line for me is that the humankind, we have to remember, is not so old, actually. The earth is billions of years old, but human beings is what the intelligence won 20 years ago, something like that. So I just think we are in a very, very early stage, Paul. You know, when you look at us, we are in a so early stage that we just use, I don't know, 5% of our brain capacity. That must be that. I can't simply come to another solution because uh people just running uh, in the same uh, circles and uh, don't see what is mattering just simple things that love and happiness is, is all about you know it's not about the money about caring each other about sharing what you have with others you know you have so much we could nobody has to live in extreme poverty not one billion people anyway so uh but we use all our money on weapons and uh, stupid things for what for fight with each other to get more land you know, every country wants to be bigger. Russia wants to be a little bigger. Take Ukraine, you know, the U.S. is fighting everywhere to get the controls. The same does Russia. The same does China. It's just for what, you know? <laughs> Maybe listen more to John Lennon's uh, song, you know. Should be any land. No religion. Just people sharing. Because this is enough for all of us. Even if it was 20 billion people, still is enough land, enough food, enough everything. But we just don't use our fucking mind, brain capacity, and our heart capacity, you know. So, yeah, 
What can I say? Well, you could say that. And you sound like the inside of my mind about 200 times a day. And sadly, in the United States, we're not near 5% of our brain. But we're about 1% on a good day. It's really the <laughs> place is not the brightest. Uh, but we do have dancing with the stars and celebrity presidents and things like that. And what you said is, is very practical, too. And, and I like the explanation that we are youthful. And maybe if we're lucky enough and through massive pruning and living, dying, evolving over time, we will evolve. But in the present, we these actions we can take. And for some reason, we're not. Uh, my brother, how did growing up, I know you left Iran when you were very young with your mom. How did growing up and in, in Europe the way you did influence you think this current level of revelation and i would say enlightenment i know you're humble but you had an awakening experience but can you trace any of it back to kind of starting at the bottom and working your way up do you think those humble beginnings have had an effect on your current paradigms yeah that's for sure paul i think one of the biggest things that influence people is actually traveling uh, you know of course the famous the writer uh for died 100 years ago hg jose anderson hg anderson he said they very very famously, to travel is to live and to learn. And I think I was eight years old, came here with my four siblings and my mother from Iran in 69. Uh, uh, imagine even that some countries that didn't, the, the woman cannot vote in Europe. So uh, she was very courageous and she's my hero in my life. Coming to Denmark, a uh, welfare system where she said, hey, guys, you can go and read you now and do what you want. You can do everything. And uh, I just started to go to school and university and get to be an engineer. But in my early uh, stage of life, uh, when I was a teenager, I traveled a lot. Traveled to Africa, to the Asia, South America. And fell in love with Shekhavara and actually in a very soon age, started to read about what Shekhavara did. He was a doctor, one, you know, couldn't see the poverty in his eyes. I read about Martin Luther King. Gandhi is my big hero. The same is uh, the big, uh, some of the big that, that we really can learn so so much about, you know, uh, in South Africa, uh, Mandela. You saw him sitting in prison for 25 years and coming out by afterwards and say, hey guys, we are friends now. There's nothing called black and white. You are my brothers, we do it now. It's, you, you can just learn so much from the past, from the big uh, heroes. And uh, traveling for me, you know, when I first time touched a child in Sudan, who was, I don't know, four or five years old, but his stomach was bigger than his height, and I knew he would die in a few days. Uh, that That's something that touched my heart, you know, and the, the, my first religion is the religion of love and my father and mother make me, you know, and that love come from the stars and that is inside the heart of every human beings. So the namaste that they say in India and in Nepal, I worship the love in the special place you have, everybody has it. I believe in that and I think I found that in an early age. That foundation in my life was in the biggest thing in my toolbox was that power of love. And my goal is to find that and searching for it even more even today. So I just think I found it through my many traveling and uh, from my mother that learned me just never, never give that love up and just do good. And uh, the stars will give you thousand times back again. 
and that I've shown be true in my life. And yeah, I continue the search for love. Uh, love is my goal. That is one of my mantra in my life. You sound like a beautiful mystic descendant of Rumi rather than an engineer who built an buildings and things like that. Yeah, Rumi, Rumi, Rumi. But Paul Rumi, don't start with Rumi because then I cry. Rumi is an Iranian, uh, lived for a thousand years ago, and he just said, because many people say to me, Jaffa, you just drop in the ocean. What can you do? You can remove poverty. You can't do anything. I said, no. Rumi said, you are not a drop in the ocean. You are the ocean in one drop. And that sentence just exploded in my head when I read Rumi for the first time. When I said, okay, I'm not a drop, but I'm a total ocean in one drop. And that powerful can love be whole. And if we, everybody find that kind of love in their hearts, they will be so strong that nobody can stop them and they can achieve everything. Just they have to believe in that power of love. And I believe it's in every soul. I was... You remind me, I was walking down the beach once feeling this, like, what's the use? And I thought, what can what can I do? What can one man do in a sea, an infinite sea of insanity? And I felt like the universe, this ineffable, beautiful thing, said, oh, you're, you, you asked the wrong question. So I said, oh, well, when, what is the right question? And the infinite is said, it's not what one man can do in the world. It's what can God do with one man? Yeah, that's exactly, yeah, yeah, you're exactly right. That's, uh, it's funny you say it because you was on a beach. I was uh, on a small, small island in my life about 18 years ago when I asked myself, are you, are you happy? What the fuck are you going to do? What, what are you doing? You know, spending all that money, all the gold. And then I got that call, you know, hey, you can do everything. Your mother said that you believe in the power of love and God. And honestly, I feel like these avatars that are chatting today, you and I and the ones listening, this is a small part of what and who we are. And that why not, if I have at least the awareness of it, to at my best, which is so imperfect, doesn't have to be perfect, that's impossible, and keep it humble. Uh, if you look at the stars, it's impossible not to have humility at night. You know, it's just a vastness. But if I'm here for a nanosecond in, in the infinite, why not? create a little bit of kindness, good and compassion as whatever I am. If And then whatever I surrender, I surrender to it. And I ask to be guided. I, I meditate and pray and just say, guide me, guide me. And anyone can do that. Anyone listening, I, there's no fee, no special code. You don't have to be in a certain place, a mosque, a church. Those are beautiful too. God seems to like oceans and water, I find for us. We're like always in a pretty spot, but... Uh, it's always there, even in the darkest night, as cliche as that sounds. Yeah, exactly. Because the old times I believe, hey, God is in a mosque or in a church or in a synagogue. Or, but you know what? No, it's still in this, it's in your heart when you was born, you know, from the start. So, you know, and you're right. I always say to myself, take one step at the time, you know, just one drop at a time. And if you want to say poverty, okay, start and say one child at a time. That is enough. It's not actually about how much you're going to achieve before dies, Paul. It's about are you on the right track? Are you moving on that track? Somebody can move slowly, somebody fast. It's okay if they are, you are on the right track, you know, that you have your fit in all the way. But if you go wrong way, you can go forever and achieve nothing. So for me, it's you are on the right track, Jaffa, and just go with that. 
it's not about how much you are going to achieve. Of course, I want to achieve everything, <laughs> but uh, it's not the important thing. Important thing that I'm doing it every day, every second. How did the Human Act come together? Where was the inspiration for that? And will you share with the worldwide audience what you and your beautiful cohorts are up to? Yeah, because uh, after I uh, got graduated as an engineer, I started uh, to work for another company for something like uh, 10 years and learned uh, the things beautifully. And then I started for myself in 2000. And then I just built the one property after the others. And yeah, the time was with me. I was lucky. I worked hard and just, you know, make the first million, 10 million, hundreds of millions. And uh, then, uh, as I told you, on the beach in Maldives, what the fuck are you doing? And uh, said, no, 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 I have to do more. At that time, you know, I could give 10,000, 100,000 here and there. But I, do, I want to do it structural, you know. So uh, the UN system came with the Sustainable Development Goals in 2015. And I said, no, I have to transform my business into a foundation. So I actually took all my properties and transformed it to Human Neck uh, Foundation. With all the money, everything, and uh, just started the work. And uh, very simple. We make financial big work, but the other part is to uh, fight for our wealth tax on the rich people like myself. And uh, that's why we make the, our letter to Davos every year and make a lot of other things with our big blue elephant and so on and so on. So it was more that I don't want to make money anymore. I want to give money away all my life. And my plan is when I'm died, I don't have even $1 left on my bank account because I believe if you go away from this world and you have hundreds of millions on your bank, then you just die in disgrace because then you have not been uh, giving back to society that has given you so much. And the society is all the beautiful human beings that has been behind everything everybody does. I read a great article in The Guardian by Joseph Stiglitz. He said that we need a 70% wealth tax. What, how would a wealth tax change everything? I'm in agreement with this too, by the way. It's so easy, Paul. It's crazy easy. We make, I make two reports with the United Nations 2019 and Jeffrey Sachs. And if you look, if you look, it's so simple. I take it so simple so everybody can understand it. You can just Google Credit Suisse in Switzerland. They make a report every year. So the total wealth in the world is $400 trillion. So the total wealth, 8 million billion people, 400. But the top 1%, that is only 50 million people, has more than the 400. So it will say more than $200 trillion. So imagine at just 2% tax on the top 1%, 2% on 200 trillion is 4 trillion, is more than enough to solve all the 17 sustainable development goals. It will say wars, climate change, extreme poverty, and it, every 17 SDGs. Imagine only 2% wealth tax on top 1%. It's mind-blowing, yeah? That's the saddest part. We have all the resources. It's almost like if we had warehouses full of food on the east side of town, and then on the west side of town, everybody's starving, and we can't figure out how to feed everybody. We have. <laughs> we have. Remember, we put money off in the ocean, the greens and so on, to keep the prices high. Is that, That's why I'm saying human beings' brain are not working. $400 trillion, Paul. It's so big numbers that it's just mind-blowing. So it's not about the money. Jeffrey Sachs, who's professor, I'm sure you know him. 
He said all the time, it's not about the money. We have so much of it. It's only one, two percent enough, more than enough. But it's something about our brain, you know. We, we, we don't want to give it away. So the ultra elites just lobbying a politician not to make a wealth tax on us. I love Dr. Sachs' work. Well, if he's listening, we would love to have you on, Dr. Sachs. You're a true hero in the world. Yeah. If, if, if you listen, Jeff, we've been together for more than two years, the Vatican, the UN, and so on. You make two beautiful reports for Human Act. Please give an interview to Paul. Thank you. Thank you. Given the climate emergency, do you feel we even have a whole lot of time to get our stuff together? No, because that is one thing. Extreme poverty, you can say, is not a clock that stops uh, 10 and 20 years, but uh, climate change will certainly take us out. That's for sure. I live in Denmark. I can see Greenland. We own Greenland. It's melting now. I can see, you know, I'm from Iran. I was in Iran three months ago. Many of the cities don't have water anymore. They get bottled water with cars at the homes. So it's so crazy. So I think we have maybe to 2050. And then I don't see how we can manage anymore. And uh, it will be, yeah, terrible, terrible for my children and my grandchildren and everybody else at that time. I'm 62, so I will not be there. But uh, yeah, what can I say, Paul? I, I travel a lot. I travel every month someplace. And I just see the climate change crisis everywhere. Last year, I was in Amazonas. I, I, I was inside inside you know inside inside where the tribes were living with the fishermen i slept in the house and the fishermen i said so how is the fishing he said yes how is the fishing some years ago i could just go out fish here five minutes ago five minutes from my house now i have to go four kilometers from my boat and the water is going below for two meters uh, lower than before he said something terrible numbers so if that's going on so I don't see, and we get, what, 25% of our sweet water from the Amazonas? No, I, I am very, no, I'm not optimistic about that at all. To me, it seems inevitable. It's just how soon and how drastic. And is that the only way that we'll learn? Like, literally, if we're on fire, not even the house, then we'll maybe jump into the river if we can, because the river might be on fire too with the chemicals. But because we just keep putting the climate scientists on, and it's irrefutable. And they're always conservative. Like you mentioned, the Maldives, they're going to be underwater. New York, New York will be underwater. Yeah, London. And also, we have extreme droughts, and then you have flooding. You saw, what did you think when you saw those floods in Pakistan? I think 40 to 60% of the country was underwater. It was mind-blowing. Within like uh, 10 days. About 55%. Me about my friends are Pakistanians. <laughs> How do you keep going in spite of everything that we know to be true? Because there's no other way, Paul. I've said that to myself so many times. Sometimes uh, my colleagues here in Human X say, hey, Jeff, you know, everything is cracking down. I said, there's only one way, just do it. You know, even we just saving one child, still is saving one child, Paul. I, ca I can't stop that. When I started so many years ago, I, I can't stop it. Uh, it's impossible to stop. Even... If they say, hey, next week everything will go down, say, okay, I hurry to save one more. Uh, I will never stop it. 
his nerve. Not giving up is not an option at all. So uh, just uh, by doing good, uh, keep me happy, keep me smiling, and uh, then who knows? Maybe <laughs> some uh, yeah, some sense will suddenly maybe come up in the heads of. Uh, the people who decide things and the ultra league, the top one percent, also that we can come together and save our planet. Uh, I hope. I have the hope. I have. Uh, as I said, that this love thing for me is the big thing. I think the power and love will uh, come through the hearts of even those who are so hard today. So I believe that love still can save us in nothing else. My belief in in, in that in that power of love. I hope really that uh, it can reach uh, the hearts of uh, the right people. For the people all over the world, the young, the old, the studious, the famous who listen, who haven't experienced that yet, I know there's no one way, but you're wise, or you've had the experience. Is there anything you could say to help them tap into it and have their own taste, their own immersion into this? Any Anything that comes to your heart right now, like for the young man or woman somewhere anywhere in the world who says, how can I tap in? Really, I can, Paul. Really, I can. It's so simple. Just read the Lama's book. The title is Think With Your Heart. Guys who are listening, believe me, first of all, it's not about the money, but try to help everybody. Start with your own circle. Start with your own mother, father, your brother, sister, your friend. You, I know there's somebody in the circle that needs some kind of help. It could be one that just could help to go well, no, to another city or one is uh, cannot do a special thing, you can help him with that. Some has some wishes that you can maybe help him come true or in any way, just try to help. Try to help and see what comes back into your heart. Then this feeling will grow. That was how I began many, many years ago, by just helping and seeing what was coming back. You know, it's like you are going to run a marathon, 41 kilometers. You don't do it first time. You say no. I run one kilometers, then five, then eight, then 10, and so on, you know. Uh, and then you can reach it, believe me, by helping, by giving by yourself, by your heart. In any way you can help, then you will have it back again. I would imagine the way you're being and living, you're not really afraid of your own mortality. Obviously, you want to keep going, but you probably don't lie awake at night or fear your inevitable, I would say, transformation. Love, Paul, I love you for that question, because that was one thing I forgot to tell when I was talking with the billionaires and uh, all the rich people I know. They all believe that they're going to live forever. Really, you know, you know, when I learned that, I learned it from my lawyer many, many years ago. He said, Jaffa, every time they do something, just sign every time. Even you make the foundations of giving more than half of your wealth away, you just signed it. Many of our rich clients, even if they come to the thing of doing something good, when they have to sign, they don't do it because they, they don't be, they, they think they are going to live forever. Even they're 85 years old, they're going to be to living forever. But I don't know why, Paul, but I don't give a fuck of everything, you know? Even when you say, hey, don't do that. Are you going to start for yourself? Hey, you have house, you have everything. You're going to lose everything. The bank taking everything for you. Yeah, okay, let them take everything. What the fuck? I live in Denmark. I'm not going to die of hunger, you know, and die. Living or dying is not in our hands. Let's try to remember that everybody who's listening here, okay, guys, you can go to the bathroom, fall down and put your head on the, you know, thing or something else. 
you are dead. You can go out, somebody can drive it down. You can fly, you can fend down. You can die in millions of ways. So every second is for loan, okay? So it's not about how long you are living. Fuck that. It's about how you lived. How you lived and how you used your time is not the length of your time. That doesn't matter, you know? Che Guevara, who's tattooed on my back, died in a young age. He's a hero. Everybody recognize him. They love him for that. Martin Luther King died in a young age. They shot him. He's my hero and everybody else's hero. And I could go on and go on and go on. So it's not about to be 100 years. <laughs> you know, it's okay to die. We are just like a spark in human beings' life compared to our planet who lives for millions of years. We are nothing. But of course, we still have big powers to aspire and do something good for other people. But don't think you're going to live forever. Just live every second. There's never no tomorrow. But learn like, you know, you're going to live forever. So no, Paul, I am not afraid for dying at all. But I'm afraid for not living my life. And not can feel my own pulse. That is what I'm afraid of. But that will never happen because I know I have to do what I'm doing in human act and continue with that. Even everybody going to criticize me for everything else doesn't matter. Well, Martin Luther King said you cannot live until you're I'm no longer afraid to die. By the way, if you run out of everything, I promise you can come live with me for as long as you want forever and I'll feed you and house you and make tea for you. <laughs> so you'll never ever go without. I could guarantee that as long as I have anything. So uh so you're all set. But that yeah, but it's true what you said. And it's interesting. A lot of these billionaires are always the giving pledge when they die. We need it now. There will be no tomorrow if we don't figure it out. And the and I love how people want to save the planet. The planet's fine, George Carlin said. It's we're not the planet's not going anywhere. We are. It's billions of years old. It's seen so many carbon life forms come and go. Extinction's the rule, not the exception. We'll just be, I mean, and honestly, if we had a three million year run, I don't think anybody or any sentient form could remember us. The dinosaurs had a 50 million year run, God bless them. <laughs> and, and, you know, the asteroid took them out. And who knows what was here before or after that? It doesn't matter. We're barely here. Talk about hubris. We're like a piece of rice paper that caught fire and thinks it's the uh, a supernova. And before we, before you blinked, exactly. it was gone. There was no even, there's no, there's no trace of it. Where was the rice paper that said it was the greatest thing ever? It's gone. I, I turned for a moment. I blinked and it was gone. That's the human race. So, but yet it's so beautiful. I love the dichotomy, and I, I still can't understand. Uh, Say that me and my imperfectness, if I somehow invented something, Amazon or whatever, and suddenly had found myself with tens of billions of dollars, I would probably bow before the great higher power and say, here's the thing. I'm going to be so decadent. I'm going to selfishly keep $100 million for myself. But the other 19 billion and whatever, 900 million, I will, I will put back in the circulation. But... With that hundred million or even forty or fifty, there's nothing I could ever want. I could fly around in private jets and and live on islands and f eat the best food and have a massage every day and pray and work out with yogis and everything and still never ever run out of money. So I don't understand that the pathological need. To me, it resembles a cancer cell. 
that someone with a billion needs two and someone with two needs four, someone with 10 needs 30. I, to me, that's, that's sociopathic and sad, even though they buy magazines and television networks and media empires to try to glorify it and they put themselves on the cover. When I see the 400 richest people in the world, I that should say the 400 greatest hoarders of resources and then show what could be done with that money. Yeah. Or they, they just think that the your more money they have, the more power they have. But the power of what, you know? Uh, power to save uh, their name on some stupid list uh, or power for uh, just influencing the media, politicians, power for no power for your human beings, power for do good for the common good. But uh, they could be stars on our skies if they want to be it, you know, if the top 400 uh, persons, they really could be stars if they want to. But, you know, even Bill Gates make the giving place. He has the 250 billionaires on board and everybody say, yes, we get half of the wealth when we die. But, <laughs> but we don't we need it now. And the children, they say, some of them died and the children said, no, 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 my father just put this name on that stupid list, you know, give it away, need to get away again. So it's that, you know, it's like the giving place. Come on, Bill, <laughs> Bill Gates. You opened in 2010. I promise you give half of your wealth. At that time, 2010, Bill Gates has $50 billion. Today, he has more than 100 billion, 10 years after. So sorry, Bill, you forgot something and you're giving pledge. You promised to get half away. And now you have doubled so much than in 2010 when you started the giving pledge. So, I mean, the founder of the giving pledge is not living after his own foundation's norms. So, I hope you get to listen to this. What I was thinking of is a joke or what? <laughs> I think uh, when I say I'm going to start my diet tomorrow, I have as much conviction as the giving pledge. Yeah. <laughs> Before we let you go, because you're, you're doing so many great things, I don't want to take too much time. For the listener anywhere in the world, how can they get started today to be part of this this beautiful solution? I love what you said. Just take a step. Run a kilometer. Don't try to run the marathon. What would you do right now if I uh, put you back in time? You know everything you know. You have just a few shekels, and you're 18 years old. What would you do? What, how, would, how would you begin today, given today's circumstances and all you know? It's so easy today because you have the social media. If people want to do something, just go and tweet something. Go on LinkedIn, go on Twitter, anywhere. And you want to help us. Human Act has this beautiful program called Millionaires for Humanity, who just came out with a letter with over 200 millionaires, billionaires on board. Go to our website and sign up as a voluntary just to support us as just normal people. That would be huge if thousands of people come and support it. We have now over 200 in our letters. And we're hoping to grow to get thousands of uh, rich people on board. So we have them also on board, you know. So it'd be nice to have, you know, few rich guys at the top and thousands, thousands at the bottom who are pushing the society, the politicians, the press, and so on, to say, hey, you rich guys, you have to be a part of the solution to save our beautiful planet. You've been listening to the What Matters Most podcast, a 100% listener-supported program. If you feel inspired, please go to our Patreon page at www.patreon.com 
backslash what matters most and join our family. So until the next time, stay inspired and in the light. <laughs>